Mindfulness Mode 366. They realize, holy cow, I can actually change my future. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness right here on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Hey, Mindful Tribe, do you ever feel like super groggy in the morning? Like it's so hard to get out of bed. It's so hard to get going. You just feel bogged down. Well, I've created a new meditation called Awaken with Focus. I just created it in the last, I don't know, two or three weeks, I think it was. And it helps you to be more alert and focused after you wake up in the morning. It's so that you can feel invigorated, you can feel fresh and dynamic. And you know, that feeling of vibrancy when you just feel like, yeah, I wanna get up, I wanna get moving, I wanna get going. It's so that you can be the energetic person you really, really want to be. And so I've made this available to you, Mindful Tribe. You can go to mindfulnessmode.com slash awaken with focus. It's a free guided meditation and I just really hope you enjoy it. Let me know. You can always email me at bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. And now transitioning over to today's episode. My friend Richard, I am looking forward to hearing what you think of this episode because I totally enjoyed it. So just sit back, relax, and take in this interview with Richard. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I've got Richard Trevino here today. Hey, Richard, are you in mindfulness mode today? I sure hope so, because from what I can tell from your podcast, man, being in mindful mode is going to make me very productive. <laughs> I think it will. But you know what? I think you're already very productive. So as we dig into this, maybe we'll find out it is because of mindfulness and because of you being in mindfulness mode. So, Richard, I want to share a bit about you with my audience. And here's what I've got. Richard Trevino is a consultant, a speaker, and a writer with expertise in the area of productivity and leadership. Now, his leadership mastery covers the topics of company culture, conflict resolution, and communication, all totally important aspects of leadership. Richard started the company Elevation Consulting Firm to help companies grow their people and increase their bottom line. And he's got some direct experience with this, which we'll be discussing in a few minutes. His writings have appeared in Entrepreneur, Addicted to Success, Ask Men, and Thrive Global. So Richard, it is really great to have you here. I'm so excited. We're both in the Get Booked group, and, and that's an exciting place to be, isn't it, Richard? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I would have to say that that one of the things I really enjoy about that is, uh, you know, the opportunity to have met um, great other professionals like yourself, Bruce, and, uh, you know, people that, you know, like your podcast, you know, people that are actually very mindful about their life, where it's been, where they're at and where they're going. And so it's a privilege and a blessing for me to know uh, know people like yourself and the other GetBook members. And I've grown a lot in, in the GetBook uh, group as well. Yeah, I feel the same way, Richard. Richard, uh, I just want to start with this. What is mindfulness to you in your life? Well, you know, when I hear the word mindfulness, the first thing that, that immediately hits me is a state of being very conscious. Um, knowing where you're at, your surroundings, where not only where you're at currently, but 
a, a fullness, a 360 view of where you're at, uh, where you've been, where you're going, that the possibilities are things that could come up and being okay with it all. Uh, not only grateful and thankful of what has been, but hopeful of what is to come. And so being mindful, I think is, uh, is, is that to me, is just a state of consciousness that you're very alert and aware. And Richard, I know that you're a devout Christian and I want to know how mindfulness dovetails into your Christianity and your faith. Oh yeah. Yeah, most definitely. So I'm an actually, I'm, I'm actually an associate minister at our church and I've I've been involved in ministry for the last 25 years in some uh, some respect. My dad is actually a senior pastor of our church as well, and I've been uh, side by side with him for the last mm, 20 years. And so, uh, you know, we come from a background where we, we our family was pretty much falling apart. My dad had made some very bad choices in his life, um, had gotten into drugs and, and, and just a bad lifestyle. My mom was tired of everything. Kids, we had six brothers and sisters, including myself. Family was falling apart. And, um, you know, it just, it just happened that, you know, someone gave us, that was that one phone call that, you know, my dad was actually getting ready to take his life. Uh, and he assumed, he just, he took the phone call. My mom called and he had locked himself in the garage and, uh, he was getting ready to overdose and kill himself. And because he was doing nothing but harm to his family and those around him. And so he took the phone call and lo and behold, it was a lady that said, Hey, listen, um, I want to invite you to this thing. Uh, at our church. And it was a kind of like a narcotics anonymous and alcoholics anonymous program for, uh, for people. And so he said, she, cause she, he actually had owed her 30 bucks, $30 Bruce, because she, in her church, they did this. Um, it was some sort of flyer and it had, uh, he did construction and roofing work. And she had, she said, he said, she had offered him an opportunity to put his business logo on there. So maybe get some business from there. Right. We were at a really low point. We were losing everything. So he took her up on that. Well, he still owed her $30. And she called him and said, hey, listen, I need my 30 bucks. And he said, I- I'm sorry, I don't have the money. And we didn't have anything, like literally. And she just said, you know, if you come to this meeting real quick, uh, here this coming week, we'll wash, it'll be a wash. You can, you can pay me back that way. And he said, he t- this, is his, this is the way he t- tells his testimony. He says, I told her, I told myself, if it's one last thing I can do, make one right before I kill myself. And in my life, I want to do at least one, one good thing in this world. And that was that step that literally transformed and, and, and changed the rest of his, the course of his life. He had an opportunity to have an encounter with God and, and met a really, really amazing uh, minister because he was actually leading the thing, the deal there and met him. And it was a, because of a, a amazing experience with God, an amazing a relationship with a good pastor and a mentor in his life that he never had had uh, that helped us to move forward. But in all of that, though, like in my Christian walk and my walk with God, my relationship with God, people in our community, uh, mindfulness is something that is is very, very, very key uh, for us. And at our church, we actually do a lot of uh, outreach and in, in on the north side of our, our city, in Corpus Christi, Texas, down here in South Texas. We're actually the ones that got hit by uh, Hurricane Harvey last year. Right. So we and, and thank God we were actually we did we did well. We did everything was okay uh, for the most part. Some of the outer cities got really hit pretty bad in there, but they're they're getting back together again. But for us, um, the mindfulness part of it is uh, of the equation is very important in the sense that we have to know what our end result is, our end goal. We have to know 
what are we trying to do? What is our plan? How are we going to help people? Who are we helping? And what is the background that they come from? What have they dealt with in life? What are they currently dealing with? What are they going to possibly be expecting? And it's pretty cool because like my dad is his face, you know, uh, in his, you know, it's been over 25 years, but, um, and is now clean. He's done, he's done drink at all. Didn't, you know, do drugs or anything like that. He's completely changed his life. Um, and so we have a few key people in our, in our church that actually help out with that because they have that same, um, background. They have that same testimony. So it's been very good because they are conscious and, and mindful of, of the people that we mainly deal with. We deal with a lot of people that, a lot of churches and a lot of organizations will not deal with. They don't want to deal with them. They kind of leave them on the outskirts. A lot of drug addict, uh, drug addicts, alcoholics, ex-convicts, convicts, people that just came out of jail, homeless people, uh, prostitutes, drug dealers. You know, people. So it's, it's, it's actually one of the uh, worst neighborhoods, the most dangerous neighborhoods to live in. In I don't think it's the, the stat was like five or six counties, surrounding counties. So that's where we're at. But that's the people that we work with and we're because we're very mindful of where they're at and and what can come from their life because i was one of those kids that you know because of my dad's bad you know choices um in life my life should have been in shambles i shouldn't have statistically made it out i finished high school i went to college i i consult for for fortune 100 and 500 companies i speak you know all over the place and i've been able to start a business i i you know success at some level has happened. And so we are very mindful and understanding the, of the possibilities and opportunities that can come out of people's lives, even in the midst of the horrible and, and tragic things that have happened in their lives. We're very mindful of that. So that's how it kind of plays in, I think, uh, in what we're doing. That's incredible, Richard. And I know that you've been in, in the insurance business. Mm-hmm. Do you still work in that field, Richard? Not, not as much, not, not as much. So I was in the insurance industry for about 13 years. And out of those 13 years, about 11 of those years, I was um, in a, a management position. And so I was uh, building teams. I was recruiting, developing, training people. And a lot of the people that I actually uh, had worked with and I trained under my leadership, um, and I always used to tell them it's partnership. I never used to tell them it's my leadership. They were like, man, you're a great leader. I'm like, no, I'm a good partner. I'm a good partner. And so I always wanted to empower them to understand that, you know, it's not big me, little you, but it's we're working in this together. And if we can stay like this and keep going, marching forward and at, at a level pace, man, you're going to surpass me. And that's my goal. I want to see you excel. And so I just very, thank God I was very successful in that. Um, I always tell people that half of those years were horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. Is that and, right? And the latter half was actually very, very successful. That's where I, that's where I made a, a you know, a Good amount of money and, and had saw a lot of the success and and saw a lot of people's lives be transformed and move into upper management and, and leadership positions in the company um but you know insurance uh, the insurance industry is one of those things it's very outdated in leadership and their way of thinking and it's just uh it's just a really old industry and uh, a lot of people are trying to disrupt that industry which is great i'm i'm, I'm all for that um but one of the bad things was was that i was trying to you know do what they were telling me to do with this traditional wisdom and and i was doing bad and they were like you know getting after me getting i was getting in trouble getting written up and i'm like if i'm gonna get written up i'm gonna do it on my terms so i'm gonna do it my way and so i started implementing a lot of the things that i had known in, in, in my leadership journey my personal development journey and immediately 180 degree turn 
Wow. And one of those things that you did was you addressed turnover because I know yeah. that you had said there's tons of turnover in the insurance business. And so you even wrote a book about it called yeah. uh, called Taming Turnover. Tell us how mindfulness can help reduce turnover. Oh, man, <laughs> that, that's everything. I mean, you know, the reality is, is I think that managers in any industry, but, you know, specifically talking about here in the insurance industry, I think that that managers in the corporate world is so tough for them because everybody is getting hammered with by upper management. There's always somebody over them and even a few layers over them that are constantly hitting them with a hammer, you know, beating them over the head with a bat and it constantly getting the threats of, you know, you're going to get demoted, you're going to get fired, you're going to get redistributed, you're going to get some move somewhere else, you're going to lose. Basically, essentially what they're telling you in, in, in layman terms, they're saying, we're going to take everything from you if you don't get this right. So the mindset um, of the people, they're in a place in, in management, they're in a position of saying, well, do I want to lose everything or should I just crush this person that's under me and mash, smash them down until they give me what I need? You know, and so they're in a, uh, in a state of, of consciousness where they're in a, a survival mode. It's a survival mode. And, and it's horrible because it, it, it breeds this terrible company culture a terrible feeling everybody's on edge nobody is as productive as they could be and they're not hitting in any of their potential that they could under a better leadership and a better way of thinking so mindfulness and that in corporate america right now i think it's 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 terrible because they don't understand they're operating from a place of survival instead of being able to thrive and move forward develop people in a better way and so that was one of the reasons why i did write the book though because i um I saw a lot of that towards the end of my uh, uh, working with this one company. Uh, at the end, there it, it was it was really tough. They just they wanted to be able to prove a point to people, and even if it meant firing people or pushing people out and hurting good people, and they weren't very mindful about about their actions because in the end, that person that actually was doing a lot of the uh, changes ended up getting fired about a year later. I found oh, out. Really? And I said, wow. And, and that's the thing is, you know, when you can't. You can't work on, in a place like that where you're where you have ill will. It'll eventually catch up with you. And how do you teach managers to flip it upside down so that they can be mindful, so that mindfulness does exist in the workplace? I always tell, uh, like the book. The book is a leadership book, uh, really for anybody in uh, a position of, of leadership. And so, I did write it specifically towards the insurance people because that's where my, my knowledge was. But one of the big things I always tell people is more, better, different. And that's actually one of the chapters in my book. You have to constantly be ch uh, thinking. And is if I, if I was speaking to a manager right now it, that's in a position where they're saying, look, I'm in, a, I'm in that place. That's me. What can I do? I would tell them this. Think about more, better, and different. Don't, don't look at your people as the problem. But, you know, because back when we were younger, our, our family, our mom or dad, you know, or, or grandparents, they would always say, don't point at people, right? Don't point. Because when you point at one person, then you have three fingers pointing back at you. And then the reality is, is that that's what's happening is a lot of managers are pointing at everybody saying you, 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 you. But in, re in reality, the relationship between manager and, and, and the worker, uh, there's, if you look at that finger there, they've got one finger pointed at them, three fingers pointed at us. We carry way more weight in the, in the responsibility of their actions. And so as, as a leader and as a manager, I always tell these leaders and managers, I always say, look, You've got to accept your responsibility. 
being a manager is not about punching out orders. It's about it's about helping your people to become successful. So take responsibility for that. If they're not doing something right, it's up to you to stop and find out what the problem is. Problem solve. Look at them. Troubleshoot. Find out where is that one area that's throwing them off or two areas that's throwing them off. What can you do to help them become better? Right. Well, it sounds like you do a lot of that because you do a lot of consulting. So when you go out to do consulting with a group, what are some of the first things you teach? Well, it, it really depends on, on the company that we're going to be talking with. So before I even go in, they've already select, selected certain topics that we're going to be talking about and stuff. But uh, so when, when I go in, whatever I'm talking about, I always make sure to uh, touch on the, the topic of accountability. And, and that's one of the biggest things that, that I, I truly believe that being mindful, um, you have to be accountable. You have to be responsible for your actions. And so I constantly always talk to people and encourage people and inspire people. And I challenge people to take accountability for your life, where it's been, where you're at and where you're going. Because if we can, if we're, we can be accountable and understanding and mindful that Everything that has happened in our life, everything that is happening right now and everything that is going to happen is completely and 100 percent from your hands that you are doing this. You did this and you can also change it. I think that's a powerful thing, because when you empower people to understand that they realize, holy cow. I can actually change my future. But here's what I want to ask. When you are teaching that, do you sometimes see their eyes glaze over? Are there a, a percentage of the audience members that just don't get it? They've been in that victim mode for so long. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so so one of the things that a lot of people always have coined me as they say I'm an inspirational consultant. And I'm a real I mean, when I and companies knows and I think it's why they always bring me back because uh, let's face it, most companies, when they, whenever they have a, a consultant come in or a speaker come in or, or anything like that, they're not calling them for everybody. I mean, that's that's just the reality of things. There's a few select people that are just like pulling their hair out, going, I can't reach you, and I don't know what else to do anymore. And I know you've got the talent and ability, but I don't right. know what to do with you. And you're not responding to me. So one of the big things I do is, I always come in and when I see those types of people that got that glazed look or even yawning during one, I mean, there's no way you can be yawning during my presentations because I'm, I'm very outgoing. And so I get out there and I, I always got to either, I'm always mic'd or I have a, a, a handheld mic. I walk in the crowds, I get out there. I literally come face to face with them. If, and especially the ones that I see that are not getting it, I come up to them and I begin to interact with them to help them snap out of it, to have that moment where they're jolted where, where physiologically they have a reaction where they're, they're just like startled and it's like, holy cow, he's right here. You know, and it's like, uh, what did I miss? What I'm immediately their brain starts going to a place of what did I, what did you just say? What did I miss? And, and so, and after that, I always find that they're now very attentive because they know I will come where you're at. Yeah. I love this. I just love it. Richard, tell me a story about a place you went to consult and then later, maybe you went back for follow-up or you talked to a manager or a CEO and they said, Richard, you know, we've got this one employee who has just completely turned themselves around. I want to hear a story from you about that. This is so exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so right off, I can tell you, like I had a client of mine that uh, contacted me. This was probably in March, around March, April, I got a phone call 
and they were really uh, excited. At the beginning of the month, for clients that I've already finished up a, a, um, a term with them, I always do a follow-up with them, always, to make sure. My goal is never that they're always uh, dependent on me, and I tell them that from the beginning. And that actually always helps them out to feel like, okay, cool, this guy doesn't want to just bleed money out of my company. So I always let them know my job is to be here for X amount of time, and I'm going to empower somebody here, whether it's yourself doing coaching with this, with this manager or you give me one of the managers or leadership partners that you have, and I'm going to empower them so that when I step away, it's going to be up to you going forward if you want to bring me back. And so beginning of the month, I always check back with them. And I did that. And so uh, I called uh, one of you know one of my, my previous clients, and I said, hey, how's it going, so-and-so, so how's everything going? We're just shooting the breeze. And the next thing you know, he tells me, hey, listen, man, I, 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 uh, I said, so where are we at right now? Do you need any services right now? Do you need me to come back, yada, yada, yada? And he says, you know, Whole, wholeheartedly, and I, I can't even tell you how happy I am to tell you this, that no, I don't need you to come back this month. I said, good, that's what I wanted to hear. I said, For as sure. crazy as that sounds, that's what I wanted to hear. That means that when something happened, well, what happened? He said, oh my God, man, we're up 48% uh, wow. from, from last year's number because one of the things I always do is I challenge them to beat last year's number this month this May, we're going to be last year's May. This June, we're going to be last year. And that's how we always start that's with great. incremental growth. And he, so he started going on and telling me about how their company was up 48%. And the previous month, they were actually up uh, 42%. So it was, they, were, they were catching a uh, wow. momentum. And is that the point where you asked for a testimonial, Richard? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, well usually even, bef even before then, whenever they've already uh, kind of seen the, you know, the aftermath of, of, uh, of my consulting, my, my coaching, the speaking, they always, always ask them for, hey, listen, was that, was that uh, you know, to your standard? Was that good? I always give actually a, um, what is it called? Um, a survey right afterwards to them and their people. Yeah, sure. And so I always get that, that information back because it helps me to, be, to, to do exactly what I preach and what I teach to people of is course. what can I do better, more different. So I want the input so I can know, okay, okay, they didn't like this, they didn't like that. How can I construct it a little bit better? How can it come across a little bit better? So I always do it then. But when those conversations happen, most definitely. And uh, also, it was great because I also got a good report at that same, that same conversation of a an employee that they were having some issues with, which in reality was the main reason I was coming in in the first place, uh, that was doing a lot better, was showing more signs of, of becoming more productive with what they're doing. Uh, the productivity talk that I'd actually given about planning and um, and doing deep work uh, versus the shallow work helped out tremendously with them. And, and this is what he told me. He said, look, I think that just you teaching that and showing them tangibles about how to do it, and it was real simple. I think that helped him because he's his words are not mine, right? He's like, I'm just not very structural. You know, I don't I don't know how to structure people and teach them step by step stuff like that. He said, but that simple that talk that you did about that helped this one person. And to me, he said, That's I'm forever grateful for that. Wow, I know that's, that is so there. great. That is so great. Richard, I want to ask you about meditation. And for you, maybe that's prayer. I don't know. But I often talk to my uh, interviewees about meditation. What does meditation look like in your life, Richard? So, so in the mornings, I have, uh, I have a pretty, I wouldn't say strict, but I try to keep a good, a good uh, schedule. Because when I'm on a schedule, I'm more productive and I get more mm. things done. And then I feel happier. I feel more centered and I feel more mindful about what's going on in my life. There's less chaos. And I try to, to, to maintain that. So in the morning, I usually, I try to wake up around five o'clock 
latest 515. Sometimes I hit that snooze. I'm like anybody else. So, yeah. um, but 5, 515, latest 515, and I get up in the morning. So I shower up and get ready, get prepared and stuff like that. Immediately drink some water. Um, once I'm all nice and fresh, and I, I usually get ready to go to the gym because by 6 o'clock I'm at the gym. But around 530, I'm already dressed and almost almost ready to roll. I usually go into my, uh, my office, uh, my home office here at the house, and I'll go in there and I'll sit down sometimes, or I'll sometimes sit on, I have a couch that's in there, I'll sit on the couch, or sometimes I'll just kneel. Um, because I, I, I find a very powerful um, positioning when I'm kneeling, um, and it's a very humbling act, it's a very humbling act. So uh, I go into my prayer time and I go into my meditation time, and I believe that there are definitely, those are two separate things. So sometimes I'll just sit in meditation on a on certain just gratefulness and thankfulness feelings that I have about everything that's going good in life, all the good things and from from my family, my 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 wife, my son, my roof or my head, the water that I just drink, every single thing, and put myself in a state of just gratefulness and thankfulness, and then I immediately begin to go into my prayer time, and I begin to just say, you know. I try when, the way I transition is I don't want there to be a a bridge. I don't I don't want there to be a gap. I wanted to go from thankfulness to gratefulness and then immediately into thanking, thanking God and manifesting those things that are to come that I do desire in my life uh, immediately with that same flow of energy and spirit that I feel of, of the present things that consciously I know are there. I immediately go into the things that I'm believing to come to pass by faith to happen into my life. And that's how I usually pray. But in the morning, at, le- at least 15 minutes. Wow, I like that. I really like that. Richard, I always ask a question about bullying. Have you ever been bullied or do you have a story about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference? Yeah, oh, absolutely. So towards the latter part of, of my career at this uh, at this one company, and I won't mention the name, right, because that's just not my style, but um, I was I was literally doing the, the best I had ever done. My team was actually uh, the number one team in our district and one of the best uh, uh, teams in the region. We were doing amazing. We were, I, I was one of the highest paid employees. I was making more money than my my manager was. Uh, I was, you know, one of the highest paid employees. My uh, staff was all some of the highest paid agents in, in, in the region. We were doing phenomenal around us in our in our district. Um, the teams were falling apart. It was just uh, utter chaos. And I would try to bring people in, like some of the agents that needed help, and try to put them under our wings, under our team's wing, not mine, but under the team's wings, and help them to make sure that they, we gave them a fighting chance. However, there was an upper manager, uh, a regional vice president, that just had just the ugliest heart and just wanted mm-hmm. to just make mean changes and try to, you know, uh, flex her muscle on people. And, you know, I, I just stuck to myself and I literally put our team in the corner and I faced everybody to me and I was in the corner and I said, you keep your eyes this way. We focus here. Keep your eyes on me. Do not put your eyes on any of the negativity. Just look here. I'm going to help you. We're going to make it through this and we're going to flourish in the middle of it all. Well, during that time, that regional vice president began to, uh, you know, bully. That's what really was going on. Um uh, some people think, oh, that's a management style. No, it's not a management style. That's bullying people, harassing people. It really what it came down to. Uh, she was bullying, flexing her authority on people and didn't need to do that. And then especially people that were actually mild-mannered people, uh, pretty reserved people, you know, that were very um, – uh, would go with the flow with anything, you know, and just tell them what you needed to do. But she made it a point to just flex her muscle on them to make it an example out of them to everybody else, and there was never a need to do that. Um 
in the end, again, you know, I ended up leaving the company. This lady ended up, I found out about, it was about eight, uh, eight months, 10 months, maybe a year later, I got the phone call and I said, ding dong, the wicked witch, the wicked witch, ding dong, the wicked witch is dead. That's from Wizard of Oz. And yes, so, yes. Yeah, and my uh, a friend of mine that was still working there played this song to me. I'm like, what in the world? Because this was like out of out of nowhere, you know. I'm like, what? What's going on? He's like, oh my god, they fired her. She's gone. I said, no way. I said, really? He said, yes. They're calling everybody back that got fired, that that left, that that uh, you know that took off from the company and stuff, and all these. They're trying to get everybody back together. And I said, how horrible is that? How horrible is that? That all of these people, some people forced into retirement, pushed out, uh, fired, all of these things, and they were good people doing their job. But had this manager just been a little bit more mindful about what the team actually needed, there was needs that were there. And I had actually even offered to help. I offered to help them, and she declined that. She's, she saw me as a threat because of my success. I said, that's the most craziest thing in the world. But in that case, though, had she just, just taken a little bit of time to find out how can I help these people rather than how can I scare them or intimidate them, it would have been a completely different different uh, you know, situation. Wow, what a story. Wow. Yeah, that must have been so tough going through that at the time oh, when you, you worked there. I ended up ended up going to the emergency room one day. Uh, I thought I was having a heart attack. Like I'm oh, not even really. Thinking. I thought I was having a heart attack, and uh, I, I rushed myself into the ER. My blood pressure was going through the roof, uh, and I've never had any uh, uh, health issues, uh, you know, especially that. And they say, Mr. Trino, you know, you're you're okay. You're just your blood pressure is up. You're having an anxiety attack. You're having a, and I'm like, oh my goodness. And I was very Bruce. I'm, I was very. I did very well at at uh, maintaining my composure and my stress levels and stuff but this was just a, that's how bad it was getting that's how, and some people ended up going to the hospital as well it was it was crazy it was a crazy time and so now with your speaking do you get stressed with that or how do you remain calm how do you get up get out in front of an audience and deliver your message in such a way that it really penetrates you know, I, I don't I don't feel any stress at all whenever I go I, I in the beginning uh, it's I'm a little nervous. But usually what I'll do is I'll start pacing the room. I'm walking around, getting a good feel of it. Uh, immediately what I'll do is I'll start saying some stuff like before we're even on, before my cameras are rolling, because I usually have a, a, a crew that's there filming everything. But I'll start saying some things, just off script stuff, talking to people and things like that, just to kind of get myself feeling comfortable. Uh, but no, I don't I don't feel uh, nervous or, or stressful at all doing that. I love that. That's my passion. That's my passion that's because... Now I'm at a place that that I don't have any restraints on me that I can't help people. That was the biggest thing is being in that position there um, at that insurance company, that, that terrible situation at the end there. I think that hurt me the most that I knew I could help people. I was helping people already. And I knew I could help even more people and, and not, not save the day, but I could I could help other people so they didn't lose everything. And being in a place like that and not not allowed to help anybody was really, really sad because I'm like, they're people. I mean, you're seeing them as numbers, but they're people. Yeah. yeah. Their lives and they have families behind them. So now when I get before people, I have this mindset that when I present or I speak to a company, I always give it 110%. With everything I've got, every ounce of, of energy that I have, every every bit of, of, of research that I've done, I give them 
everything with my 110%. I don't care if there's five people or there's 500 people there. I give everything I have because I understand this. I'm very mindful of this, right? Um, one of these days, it's going to have been my last talk. It will have been my last consulting opportunity. It'll be my last coaching call. And then, you know, it's over. So I want to make sure that I gave everything. I left it all on the field. Hopefully, God's willing, it's long time from now, right? But yeah. the reality is, is that we never know when we're going to go. And so whatever we do, we've got to give everything we have so that we can leave that impact because it could literally be your last message to the world. And that's obvious that you give everything because your passion just leaps out right through your sound waves and right through the image I'm seeing here on the screen. You just got so much passion and energy. I love that. Richard, as we move closer toward the end of the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. The first one is this. Who is one person who has influenced mindfulness in your life? Oh, wow. Um, I would say my dad. Absolutely. There's a few people, but I would say my dad, though, um, has had a, a longer impact in my life just because I've seen I saw the worst in him. I saw the worst in him. I saw when he would, you know, I would go to school in the morning. I would be literally getting ready to go catch my bus. I was in fourth grade, fifth grade. And, you know, I'd kiss my mom goodbye and I'd open the, the closet. He'd be in there laying asleep in the closet, vomit all over him. I saw the worst in him. But I've also seen him transform and go through a transformation in his life and, you know, find God in his life and find reason to become better. And, and I've seen him transforming his life and, and, uh, and seen him give everything to help other people that were in his situation. So that's been a huge impact for me. Richard, how has mindfulness affected your emotions? Oh, uh, I, I think it's everything. Um, because when you're, when you're conscious of where you're at, you're mindful of what's going on. You understand, like I said a while ago, you understand that everything can be gone tomorrow. Your life can be gone. Life yeah. is very fragile. Uh, my wife almost died almost five years ago. We lost our baby. She was pregnant yeah. four months. Uh, we lived in the hospital for three months. Uh, it was touch and go. We almost lost her. She had massive blood transfusions. Life is very fragile. So for me, I think uh, being mindful of where you are and understanding that life is a gift and it's very it's here one moment and it's gone the next. I think that's it's everything. So it allows it allows me and I think other people as well to to for me it's freedom because it allows me this opportunity to say I'm, I'm going to be me. I'm going to I'm going to feel free to express myself and 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 show you who I am and where I'm at right now because I may not ever get another opportunity. Yeah, yeah, for sure, Richard. How is breathing part of your mindfulness? Well, that's funny because. I have a new app on my phone. Um, I have a, a, a Apple a watch and my yeah. wife got that for me for, for Father's Day. And and so uh, there's actually an app on there that literally twice a day stops me. And it's a, it's a breathing exercise. And I cannot, I thought it was silly at first. Like, I'm not even joking. Yeah. I thought it was silly at first. But as I've done it, Bruce, I'm telling you right now, man, there's something to that. I It literally forces you to stop and go through the breathing activity. And when you do that, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so much more calm. <laughs> I love that. What's yeah. the app called? Um, I oh man, I I don't know what it's. It, it comes on the phone. It's a, it's it's it literally says breathe app. 
Okay. Yeah. Awesome. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, send it to you. I'll look a little bit further into it. I'll let yeah. You... And then I'll put it in our show notes, Richard, you know, yeah. so our, our listeners can check that out. But if you have an Apple watch, there you go. Yeah. And I'm sure you can get it through Apple on an iPhone or something else anyway, but that is cool. So yeah. it, it just reminds you to just stop and yeah. breathe One consciously. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's amazing so cool. because there's times where I'm like super flustered and I'm like, I mean, I'm in the middle of my work and, and, and then all of a sudden it hits me and it always is like at the right time. And, and I'm like, okay, uh, I take those deep breaths. And all of a sudden uh, my head just feels a little bit lighter. I feel a little bit more free. And I'm like, I can do this. I can cool. do this. As, you oh, know. you are so positive. You are so inspiring. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the way you are, Richard. Wow. That's just great. Richard, I want to ask you, is there a book that you would recommend that, uh, you know, is about mindfulness or at least related to it? I think uh, um, Deep Work is a very good uh, good book. Deep Work. Uh, Cal Newport is, is the author and it's an amazing book. It talks about deep work as, 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 and also the counterpart, which is shallow work. And it's been actually one of the best books I've read for me, productivity wise, uh, to help me. Because I mean, let's, let's face it, the, the reality is, is when we get more stuff done, uh, when we get anything done, we have a dopamine rush. And yes. so we feel good. We feel better about ourselves. And so it's been proven that some of the most successful people out there uh, in the world they are experts at getting small tasks done, a lot of small tasks done. And so they're constantly in a great state of, of being. So for me, that was a big transitional uh, uh, point in my personal development was reading that because it helps me to, it, it helped me to start focusing on doing that, getting things done, time blocking, focusing, you know, for two, three hours straight, everything is blocked out. All technology is off except for what I'm doing, writing or creating a plan or doing some coaching, whatever it is that I'm doing. And I get a lot more done. And so I feel better about myself. And you do a lot of writing, don't you? Yeah. And and I want to know, like, is this something that just flows out of you? Is it just pretty easy for you to sit down and write? Or no, it, no. it's sort of more difficult. Tell us that, about yeah. that process, Richard. You know, so so like but you and I both, uh, we've, we've worked with Kamanzi. And so this guy yeah. writes, you know, thousands and thousands of words in a day. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I you know, know, me too. I'm thinking <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> and so like for myself, it doesn't it doesn't flow as easy as that um there are times though when i am time blocking like that and i'm doing deep work uh like the book actually talks about and i do it does get a little easier and i'm really flowing with it but not like that though writing is just something that takes me a little bit longer because i want to make sure to get all the words out right i also have a um a personal editor that i have so they go over everything anything i'm going to submit to anybody all the editors at any publication they really enjoy looking over my stuff because they're like man somebody it seems like somebody already edited this <laughs> and they have so you know but yeah. i want to make their job a little easier too but but yeah so so writing for me is not super simple it's not uh it's not my favorite most favorite thing to do in the world but i do enjoy doing it especially when i'm in the flow of things well, Richard, I think it's just awesome having you on the show and, and your book about taming turnover is phenomenal for anybody that has a staff or, you know, anybody with a business of any kind, corporate or, or anything, because, you know, that is a huge problem. Companies pay huge money to find employees. And then if they're just there a few weeks and they're gone again, that's, that's an incredibly large problem. Yeah. And so thank you for 
putting this together into your book. So I recommend uh, listeners get that book, Taming Turnover, Creating Company Culture Where Insurance Agents Prosper. So it's focused on insurance agents, but it really can apply to most businesses. Isn't that true, Richard? Absolutely. It's it's a, it's really truly is a leadership book. One of my first mentors had told me to to go more niche, right? And that's why I did yes. it like that yeah. uh, with the insurance. But the book in reality is a leadership book for anyone in, in a, a, a state of leadership. If, if you're in a church, whether it's it's uh, in a business and it's a startup business. If it's it, what in community, whatever it is, if you lead people and you're a, a leader in any aspect or any respect, you, this is a book for you for sure. And the good thing about it, though, is like it's a very practical book. And people actually have uh, have have put uh, reviews or have even messaged me. And they've, they, they were like laughing, saying, man, this is so crazy. I thought it was going to be something completely different. And. I was, it was a refreshing to read this because it was so practical. Like I tell about a story about my, when I was uh, folding clothes and my son walks in and he's hopping and he says, I'm, he was, he was about uh, two and a half that I'm a kangaroo. I'm a kangaroo. And I stopped right. and I said, baby, you're not a kangaroo. You're a big boy. And his face just dropped and I felt horrible. I was like, Oh my God, what did I do? <laughs> yeah. And he says, I'm not a kangaroo data. And I stopped and I changed my face immediately to like, you know, to like, and I said, I realized what was happening. I was breaking his spirit. And I stopped and I said, oh, I said, yes, no, no, you're a big boy, but you can be a kangaroo if you want to be a kangaroo, baby. And he said, I can. I said, yeah, look. And immediately my fatherly instincts jumped in. I squatted down. I zoomed up in the air. I said, sprung up in the air. I said, look, even Dada can be a kangaroo. I said, look, do like this and you'll jump even higher. Okay. And he left. But I used that small illustration of something that happened in my life so simple, right? And I, but I, yeah. I used this and I'd say, how many times has this happened where one of your employees, one of the people you're leading, they come to you with this outrageous just idea or goal and we shoot them down immediately? That's ridiculous. Nobody can do that. That's unrealistic. Well, yeah, it is now, now that you've completely clobbered them. <laughs> yes. But I use like uh, 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 pragmatic just, just uh, ideas like that and things that have happened in my life to share leadership with people so i and i appreciate the endorsement with them yeah richard i love the kangaroo story tell us how we can connect with you and learn more about what you do so my website is uh is my name it's www.richard r-i-c-h-a-r-d trevino t-r-e-v-i-n-o and then the number two dot com or you can go to elevation consulting firm dot com as well but all of my information is on there they can follow me on facebook on on instagram I'm a little bit on Twitter, but I'm mainly on Instagram and, and uh, Facebook. ElevationConsultingFirm.com. So check it out, Mindful Tribe. ElevationConsultingFirm.com. How easy is that? Richard, it has been a true delight having you on the show. You're just so much fun, so much energy, so much positivity. You know, wow. Do you have a closing message to give to Mindful Tribe, a thought? Let yeah. it, just go Bruce. for it. Bruce, thank you. I, I appreciate the kind words, and I, I love I love your spirit, man. I always have ever since we had first connected. I really, really enjoy it, and I also appreciate the opportunity to share with your people. Um, if I could leave one last word with 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 your audience, it would be this. There's a saying that I that I always tell people, and it's probably the most impactful saying, or one of the most impactful sayings, and it's this: I didn't think that I could until I started to think that I could. I didn't think I could until I began to think that I could. 
And I tell you right now, you can do anything. You can do anything that you put your mind to. You haven't been able to do it thus far because you never believed that you could do it. But if you begin to believe today, Bruce and I, we believe in you. We believe that you can do it. But if you just begin to believe, let it start with a small little just granule of just faith, of belief that I can do this. I even start with just maybe I can do this. I promise you, there is nothing that you cannot do in your life. I'm standing here right now or not really sitting. I'm actually sitting here with Bruce on his podcast. And I never thought that I'd ever be here right now in, in this moment in time. But it all started because I began to somebody spoken to my life telling me, Richard, you can do this. You do have a book inside of you. You can speak to companies. There is more to life that you have to offer. And so I would like to speak that to people and just let them know, listen, you can do it. Just believe you can do it. Wow, Richard. So inspiring. Thanks so much for being Thank on you. the show. You take care. Thank you. God bless you. <laughs> yeah, bye now. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest name or the episode number into the search bar. You can also go mindfulnessmode.com slash whatever episode number you like. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. So hit subscribe and share because that truly helps our show. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.